Welcome in once again to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined as I am every time by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BannaOnline.com, also the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which is uh, available at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, weekdays, 11 to noon, the Talking Tide Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide, and of course you can get uh, the podcast all over the place, really, starting with our web host at podbean.com, also iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. I want to thank North River Dental Associates, Heat Pizza Bar, and Southern Ale House, our outstanding sponsors for the show. And Travis, we jump in this week with Alabama basketball coming off a win over Ole Miss, really a resounding win. On Saturday night, the Crimson Tide crosses that century mark with 103 points, led by 21 from John Petty Jr. A big night for Alabama from three-point range, 13 out of 30, and uh, really a, a, a win they desperately needed. They did, and kind of a team right now, you're not entirely sure what you're going to get between those media timeouts. Forget about game to game. You know, as we saw in the midweek loss to Texas A&M here in Tuscaloosa, things are subject to change from one media timeout to the next. The last eight minutes of that A&M game was a uh, prime example of that. But give this team credit for bouncing back on the road. Not the best Ole Miss team you're ever going to see. Not a team even from a year ago uh, in Kermit Davis's first season uh, that you would put up with this Ole Miss team. But to lose in a way in which it did to A&M and still be able to, uh, again, go on the road, get the job done, as you said, in resounding fashion. To win by 25 anywhere in this league, home, road, uh, the SEC tournament, that's not easy to do. And you're right. Eclipse the century mark in regulation time anyway for the first time since 2002. Uh, Petty was really good. They were more efficient shooting the three. You know, they were able to get their 13 threes without getting it up 40 times. In other words, their percentages were good from deep. And, you know, any Petty, Shackelford, Lewis, Reese, and Javion Davis, typically the outcome is going to be pretty good, Chase. Yeah, no doubt. Alabama's offense on fire on the road for sure. And, and, you know, you mentioned the loss to A&M at home in the previous game. How much of a death blow was that to Alabama's NCAA tournament hopes to lose that one at home in unimpressive fashion, fell to 6-7 and seven in league play after that game? Of course, now they're knotted back at 7-7 seven and seven after beating Ole Miss. But really, we're, we're talking about a team, Travis, that, that needed to get that one too. They did, and they were sort of going into those final six games there of the regular season, and you're thinking three of those are at home, three of those on the road. If you take care of business at Coleman Coliseum, that's three wins. You're thinking you probably need to get to at least 18 before the SEC tournament, so that would require a 4-2 and two run through those final six, and when you lose on your home four, you know what that means, Chase. That means you got to make up ground on the road, which is no place any team wants to be in at this point in the season. But Alabama, at least for now, able to do that in getting the road win at Ole Miss. Now, we'll see what happens on Tuesday night at Mississippi State. Uh, in dropping that home game to A&M, for me, that means instead of getting one of the three that are still on the road, you probably need to get two, right, to, to make up for that home loss. So, 
Uh, it's kind of where it's at, but this team, again, when it's clicking offensively, it's got his chance. I know we're going to talk some boxing later on in the podcast, but that's really, this team is really Deontay Wilder is what this team is. You know, it's got its deficiencies. It isn't always technically sound, but with its ability to shoot the three-point shot like it does and as dynamic as it can be at multiple positions on the offensive end of the floor, uh, it, it's got a big right hand when it's, when it's working uh, on the offensive end. And just to hit on the rest of the schedule for Alabama, four SEC games left on the schedule at Mississippi State. As you noted, noted Travis, that's going to be in Starkville Tuesday. That's an 8 p.m. tip-off on the SEC Network, followed by a weekend game at home against South Carolina. Uh, the following week, they're going to be at home against Vanderbilt, also on a Tuesday, and then they're going to finish things up on the road at Missouri on Saturday, March 7th in Columbia. So that's that's what they've got left to make whatever noise they need to make. No doubt. And it should be a motivated Mississippi State team on Tuesday night because this is a team also playing for its NCAA tournament life and especially coming off a loss over the weekend to that same Texas A&M team that went into Tuscaloosa midweek and got a victory. So Buzz Williams, man... In his first year at College Station, in College Station, he's giving you a little taste of what it's going to be like. I think in the future for A and M hoops, and uh, State got a, an account of that uh, on Saturday uh, itself. So uh, it almost feels like it almost feels like play-in mode for the NCAA tournament for some of these teams. When you talk about Mississippi State, and you know, you just uh, uh, Bama. Um, you know, Arkansas has been in that situation, kind of fading though here of late. Um, you know, Florida looks to be safe, but there's sort of that group, South Carolina, um, you know, just recently had a big game over in Starkville itself before losing at LSU, uh, at home on Saturday. It's kind of this mix of teams that are all sort of in that midsection of the SEC, Jason, you're not talking about the postseason being two or three weeks away for, for teams like Alabama and Mississippi State and a few others. This is the postseason right now if you're, if you're hoping to make the NCAA tournament. Herb Jones, 22 more minutes against Ole Miss in a starting role. Four points. Obviously, he's not scoring a lot right now with a, a cast on his shooting hand, but he continues to be an inspiration for this team without having to put the ball in the bucket. No doubt about it. I mean, if this guy with a, a broken wrist, fractured wrist, whatever the, the technical disc description for his injury is, is willing to step into driving lanes on defense or get back on transition defense and step in front of uh, drivers and take charges and, you know, crash the glass, you know, get into loose ball situations, get on the floor, expose himself and that injury uh, to further uh, you know, uh, problems, how are you not going to do it? You know, when, when you've got two good hands, two good wrists. So there's no doubt, uh, intangibly what Herb Jones means to this team to go along with, uh, more so the defensive presence that he is guy. We haven't talked about and really all season, uh, on this roster, Travis Jalen Forbes, uh, a young player who mm -hmm. Nate Oates obviously likes because He's stuck him in here and given him extended minutes at, at times, sometimes out of necessity because of foul trouble or injuries, sometimes not. Um, and it, at times it looks like Forbes is going to seize on uh, the opportunity is, he's getting. At times he's not. 
we we kind of see what he is now. He he he's an athletic kid. He can he can stroke the three here and there. Um, uh, play some perimeter defense. But what do you see potential wise? Maybe maybe down the road for him in a year or two. How good do you think he could be? I like Jalen Forbes because I see willingness in a sort of approach that is similar in some ways to a smaller Herb Jones. You know, he he will get after you defensively. He is the kind of guy. Uh, dogged, it kind of comes to mind. You might beat Jalen Forbes, say, off the dribble initially, but there's a good chance you're going to have to beat him a second time because he doesn't give up on plays. And when I talk about willing, I'm talking about similar to Herb Jones. He'll step into driving lanes. He understands, you know, help concepts and, uh, you know, trying to adapt on the fly defensively. And you're right. He's a little inconsistent offensively right now. Uh, you can see where there's potential there from the three-point arc. Uh, it's not there every night. He was 0 for 4 on Saturday night from 3 against Ole Miss. Um, but he has benefited, too, from some situations. A little bit maybe from her being out. Uh, you had Beetle Bolden with his illness situation there for a couple of three weeks. Uh, so that's kind of opened the door for Jalen Forbes to see a few more minutes and uh, I'd say he's made pretty good use of him. Right now, he's going to be more of a 10 to 15-minute-a-night guy. Uh, but there are certainly instances in which you can use him. He's not uh, Jaden Shackelford offensively at, at the same stage in their development. Uh, but again, I think uh, big picture-wise, uh, he's going to bring some of that edge and, and some of that, uh, again, I go back to the word willingness to, to do a lot of the things some guys aren't willing to do. It's been a fun team to watch. I know it's been up and down outcome-wise, but the way this team gets up and down the floor and, and shoots the three ball and shoots it so well, I just I didn't see it coming. I think Alex Reese is one of the most improved teams on this team, no doubt about it. Petty, definitely a better player, a far more confident player than he was uh, when last season ended. Shackelford's come in as a freshman. Really, Shackelford is – is the stamp at this point for Nate Oates because almost everybody else getting minutes were Avery Johnson's guy. Shackelford's not. He's an Oates guy, and he's making the most of his opportunities. He's got a really nice stroke from the outside. I think he goes to the cup and finishes uh, better than people think. For a smaller guy, he's not bad. Certainly, I think he, f- he finishes at the cup better than uh, better than Beetle Bolden, for instance, uh, who seems to have a lot of trouble not only finishing but uh, drawing fouls, you know, when he goes to the hole. I like Bolden staying on the perimeter, frankly. Uh, but but Shackelford can, Shackelford can go to the rim here and there. Yeah, Bolden at times tends to think it's 21 rules. In other words, you get the rebound or you get the loose ball, you you got to shoot it, you know. Yeah. It's 21 instead of a team concept, which I, you know, from an entertainment value, I'm on record. I, I love to watch Beetle Bolden play basketball. Is it always conducive to winning basketball? Probably not, you know, but that's okay. Uh, but no, I, I think Shackelford is just, he's absolutely advanced. I mean, when you consider... Uh, this guy's in his first year of Power 5 basketball and just a comfort and an ease with uh, you know, with which he plays with on that end of the floor. Now, defensively, he's kind of the 180 of Jalen Forbes right now. You know, I think there's some things defensively he's obviously going to improve uh, from a willingness standpoint and just an understanding uh, of how to play good defensive basketball in time, but there's no denying, man, this dude can light it up 
uh, he's on a stretch of about two or three weeks here where he's consistently doing it night in and night out to go along with Kyra and John Petty. And uh, you're right, Reese systematically was a perfect fit because Oates wants big guys that can go out on the perimeter and knock down shots. And that's that's Alex Reese's game. If anything, Alex Reese it doesn't rebound enough, uh, as we know, from time to time. Uh, but yeah, if you want to, if you want a six, nine guy that can go out there and, and stretch defenses and make them extend and open up some driving lanes in the process, because he's a legitimate threat from out there, that's Alex Reese. Um, but I think pieces wise, Chase, it, it actually worked out well. And, and maybe perhaps Nate Oates knew that, uh, in pursuing the job when he looked at maybe the roster and he saw Kyra Lewis and he saw Petty and his ability from out there, um, you know, Reese is a big guy that can shoot it. Uh, there, there were some, there were some pieces that fit what Nate Oates likes to do pretty well. Seems like it's been a long time since Alabama's put together a non-conference performance that that was a true foundation for a tournament bid. But most years, I can't. I mean, I can't remember the last time. Usually, Alabama uh, struggles in non-conference play enough, and I think this year was no exception. That they've got to make all their hay in league play. Uh, you look at the non-conference schedule this year, Travis, a win or two here or there that certainly would help them. They got that win over the, the Richmond Spiders at home in late December, for instance. Um, but some bad losses in there as well. A real missed opportunity, I thought, at Penn State. They only lost that game by two, had a big lead, and that one ended up falling 73-71. And one that kind of sticks out, Travis, that – a 76-67 loss to North Carolina in a non-conference tournament. Well, most people look at that, and maybe a lot of people who don't pay attention to ACC basketball look at that and figure, oh, well, that's a quality loss. Uh, no. Uh, not North, this year. Not no. this year. North Carolina, I think I, I saw the other day, Travis, they're like 3-12 and 12 or 3-13 and 13 yeah. in ACC play. What in the world? You're an ACC basketball enthusiast. What is going on over there? Well, they were more so than most years going to be a one-man show than what you're used to seeing. Or, you know, essentially, they were going to put a lot on the true freshman point guard, Cole Anthony. He went out with an injury for an extended stretch, uh, and, and that only further underscored the, 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 the problems, the issues that team really had roster-wide this year. Again, kind of an unusual situation for that program, no doubt about it. But you're right. Starting with the home opener right here in Tuscaloosa, you drop a one-point game to pin. Uh, you look back on the losses, right, more than you do the wins when you're in Alabama situation right now. Uh, you can talk about Penn. You can talk about Rhode Island on the road uh, back in November. Uh, that trip to the battle for Atlantis that include that loss to North Carolina. You also dropped a, a game to an Iowa State team that's pretty average, I'd say, right now. Uh, you mentioned the Penn State opportunity. The big lead you had in the second half at Florida uh, certainly comes to mind. So that's the ones that seem to stand out the most. I will say this. There were some injury situations right from the start of this season, too, uh, involving Herb Jones and Alex Reese and some guys on this team, Galen Smith, uh, that were that that were an issue from the get go, and you know they've continued to have to, to continue to have had to have dealt with some of that stuff as recent as what we've seen with Beetle Bolden and Herb Jones. 
one or two that never even got on the floor, the Rojas yeah. kid, for instance. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 fair to point out. Nate Oates um, not totally playing with a full deck to begin the season. There's no doubt about it, especially with uh, NCAA ruling on the eligibility of Javon Quinterly, another uh, big-time player who's going to be in the fold for the Crimson Tide next season. For now, though, they've got four games to go. Uh, to uh, get what they can get, and then it will be on to the Southeastern Conference Tournament. The Talk of Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn rolls on. The Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Quickly going to thank a couple of sponsors of the show right now, starting with North River Dental Associates, former Alabama player Jack Smalley, and his professional staff of dental hygienists can do every kind of dental work there is, whether it's porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, teeth whitening services, endodontics, they do it all, dentures, dental implants. Give them a call at 752-3506, the web address northriverdentist.com so you can make an appointment online they're conveniently located right off of mcfarland boulevard over in fairfax park right off watermelon road there uh it's a real quick and easy experience a routine cleaning you're going to be in and out of there typically in under an hour and uh another month or so the weather will be warming up and and uh the birds will be buzzing through that terrarium uh that's always a fun observational opportunity when you're sitting in that chair and and uh, Jack's got these big giant windows on the wall uh, leading out to this little terrarium he's put together. And if, if you catch that cleaning in uh, like spring or maybe mid-fall, uh, you see a chipmunk running through there every once in a while. All kinds of funny things. It's a good time. So uh, get them over and get your teeth taken care of at North River Dental Associates. I'm going to give you a couple places you can use those teeth. How about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. He Pizza Bar had that Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury fight on Saturday night. They also, because the weather was pleasant enough, at least by late February standards in Tuscaloosa, they were able to get that big screen out on that outdoor deck area set up with the fight out there. They've got the big screens inside the restaurant and bar area. Uh, so they had you taken care of where it comes to Wilder. Fury, too. They can take care of you every day of the week, including Sundays. All day long on Sundays is happy hour at Heat Pizza Bar. Where are you going to find that anywhere else? Monday through Friday, you're going to find daily specials starting at 6 o'clock, including Tuesday nights when they have that personal favorite. I love them all, but the personal favorite, the Thai chicken pizzas, starting at 6 o'clock on Tuesday nights, just 7 bucks for those babies. You're also going to get $2 domestics on Tuesday nights as well. And essentially, you're going to have that kind of special each and every weeknight at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Also want to tell you about our great friends out there in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North, in that Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Sort of the secret weapon of Southern Ale House is that outstanding happy hour you're going to find there. Monday through Thursday, from 3 to 6, you got domestic beers for $2, drafts for 4 those are crafts, imports and crafts for $3, uh, liquor drinks, cocktails, well drinks for $3, house margs for 3 Cosmos for 5 and then you're going to have that happy hour menu 
Dixie fries, pork skins, fried pickles, that outstanding pimento cheese dip, and then some seasonal dip offerings as well. There's always weekly events and happenings there at Southern Ale House, burger and brews, specials every Tuesday, why not Wine not Wednesday nights, music on the patio on Thursday nights there when the weather permits. A brunch menu on the weekends runs from 11 a.m. till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They got you covered. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. We're going to talk a little wilder fury right now. And Travis, I got to ask, how did our guy Frank at Heat with an outdoor TV for that fight <laughs> control the uh, uh, maybe wandering eyes from from Government Square who maybe didn't want to pay that cover charge? I'm thinking he must have had that TV turned around facing the restaurant, right or no? Yeah, but because Frank is a man of our community, uh-huh. I'm sure Frank and Will and the crew down there didn't mind if there were some Deontay supporters that maybe uh, bootlegged and didn't want to pay that $5 cover, which, by the way, I mean, come on, 5 bucks. Cheap. That was a $79.99 fight at the house. So um, I think uh, as long as you were pro Deontay, I think uh, I think Frank and Will were offering pay-per-view scholarships maybe for those folks. <laughs> Scholies. Uh- Deontay Wilder gets basically knocked out on his feet for uh, his first loss, and it was it was brutal, Travis. It was ugly. I, I, a lot of people, including yeah. me, thought that fight could have been stopped maybe a round or two sooner. And my take on it was that the minute, and I believe it was in round three, the minute Wilder started bleeding from the ear, and by the way, that wasn't a cut. That That blood was coming from the inner ear. As soon as that happened... He was on skates the rest of the fight. Yeah. Uh, no balance. I'm. If he didn't rupture his eardrum, I'm no doctor, but if he didn't right. rupture his eardrum, he did something in there that uh, shook him up enough uh, that, that he had a lot of trouble the rest of the way. It just got worse and worse. It did. It was a mismatch from the start. And, um, you know, I know Mark Breland, one of the, 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 mem- the, the corner people, for uh, Team Deontay, uh, caught a little heat, even from JD's, the co-manager of uh, Deontay post-fight. Deontay wasn't happy with the towel coming in in the seventh. I think Mark Breland did Deontay Wilder a favor, and I get the whole warrior mindset and you know willingness to essentially die in the ring if it comes down to it. Uh, not a big proponent of that thought process, but I understand the competitive athlete, and certainly in that sport, it goes above and beyond anything I could identify with in my athletic past. There, there's nothing more about survival instinct I could imagine than being in that ring by yourself, uh, trying to keep yourself from being hit while inflicting damage upon an opponent simultaneously. I, I can't, I can't relate to that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one thing. It was one thing for Fury to be the more technically sound boxer, which we all knew that was the case uh, going in. But Fury at 273 pounds, Chase, and still able to maintain that ability while also not losing anything in terms of his movement and also being aggressive, coming forward, leaning on Deontay at 230. And then the power that he had that I'm not sure even Deontay 
anticipated from Tyson Fury. And I'm not talking about just big shots, you know, big right hands or, you know, big full hooks or uppercuts or anything like that. These were some shorter tight punches that were inflicting some damage there. And so I give a ton of credit. Tyson Fury uh, right now, I undisputedly uh, the best doing it at the heavyweight division. And look, at the end of the day, Deontay got that payday that we all hoped he would get. And if he plays his cards right, Chase, there's no reason to think there isn't one, at least in that same type of neighborhood out there for Deontay. And you certainly hope that's the case because for what these guys put on the line every time they go out there, I don't know if there's enough zeros to go on a paycheck for for what we saw Deontay specifically endure in that fight Saturday night. I agree completely that Breland did him a favor, and, and it wouldn't have bothered me a bit if the ref had stopped the fight a round or so sooner than Breland stopped it. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned the warrior mentality and wanting to finish. Well, if you're that's fine if you're losing a fight uh, and, 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 and you want to stick it out, you still got to be able to protect yourself. Yeah. You still got to be able to throw and mm. Wilder wasn't protecting himself anymore. Uh, not yeah. for, not for really a couple of rounds. And he also, uh, he, he really didn't land much of a punch the last couple of rounds either. Had no so, power. Yeah. He had it, no, the power was gone because his legs were gone. Yeah. You're right. After he took the shot in the ear, the side of the head. It was, was just, it, 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 it was like a, a vampire or something, you know, drained him of everything shot. And, and, and with that, as much as anything, if Deontay doesn't have that right hand, he really can't protect himself because as an opponent, you realize he doesn't have it. So guess what? I'm going to come at you twice as hard now. Yeah. Fury figured out real quick, right? Chase, this guy doesn't have power because it's gone. So you're right that a big part of how Deontay Wilder protects himself is at least the threat that he can knock your ass out with one punch. Once that goes away, Deontay Wilder is a guy on the street. Yeah, basically in there with Tyson Fury. And that's no place to be no. with a guy who's six nine two seventy five chase. Some kind of fight for sure. I, I agree with you. I think Deontay Wilder is going to get at least one more big payday. Maybe and it's another shot at Fury. Uh, but uh, he definitely will be going back to uh, the drawing board, as it were, after that one. The NFL Combine coming up uh, this coming week. We'll touch on that really quickly before we close things out here on the Talking Tide podcast. And I'm going to try to t- – I'm packing tonight. I'll be leaving out of here uh, in the morning for that Combine. I'm going to go ahead and pack my podcasting equipment and take it with me to Indy Travis just in case – Emergipod. Yeah. Emergipod. Ruben Ruben Foster pod. Yeah. Ruben caused us to do an Emergipod (laughs) when when he ran out. Sirens going off in the background of that pod. (laughs) We could know. So uh, hopefully. uh, Ruben didn't like that hospital so good in Indy, did No. He didn't appreciate the weight one bit. You know, they tried to explain to him, look, we got 90 guys trying to get physicals here, Ruben. And uh, he. uh, he wasn't worried about a, the other 80. I got a two-year-old <laughs> here with an ear infection we got to get to. You're next, though. Yeah, but, uh, hey, Henry Ruggs might be forcing us to jump on a quick emergipod from Indianapolis. A lot of people think he's a threat to uh, uh, make a run at John Ross for that record 4-2-2 40-yard dash. I'm going to set the over-under on his 40-yard dash time, Travis. I'm going to set it at 4 2 
eight. Are you are okay. you going over or under on that? I'll go under that. All right. I'll go under that. Yeah, I'll go under four two eight. I, I'm I'm with you. I think I think most are gonna be thinking can he go sub four three? I think he can do that. You know, overshadowed in a lot of this too is Jerry Judy is gonna be running. Uh, I think it's Thursday, right? The schedule, I was looking at it earlier. It right. looks like wide receivers go Thursday. And that's a big day for Tua, too, though, because not that he'll be on the field, but if if a lot of this stuff, you know the schedule better than I do, obviously. I don't know when they do the medicals, um, but if it's kind of in that same period, that's going to be a, uh, it's gonna be a bigger day or two for, for even Tua than it's going to be really any other guy that makes their way to Indianapolis. Yeah. Typically I think day one is your hospital day and your last day is the testing day. Four okay. Day. Yeah. It's a, it's a four day trip for everybody, but they don't bring them all in at one time. They stagger it. So they're not dealing with well, then Monday could be a Monday. If they run on Thursday, Monday would be maybe the medical day. Right so. out of, right out of the gate. Yeah. Wow. So at least that's how it's been, you know, the schedule, the schedule's been known to to move a little bit, and it certainly moved this year. They're going to be putting all these physical tests in prime time, Travis. Uh, a little oh, more yeah. TV revenue involved TV man. Yeah. with that, so uh, uh, turns things upside down a little bit for those of us that work around the combine. But no one's no one's too worried about that. No, they're not. They're not at all. Um, but the way it lays out, it looks like. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the four on the field testing days, you're going to have Alabama guys involved. You're going to have Ruggs and Judy on Thursday, Jedrick Wills with those offensive linemen Friday, Jennings, Lewis, and Davis with the linebackers and DLs on Saturday, and then Shaheem Carter, Trayvon Diggs, Xavier McKinney with the DBs on Sunday. So we got you, you know, Alabama's got you covered throughout the, uh, the four days of on the field stuff. Jedrick Will is getting a lot of love as a first-round pick. Ooh. His stock is yeah. – and, and I'm not sure he's necessarily going to blow up the combine. I'm, I, I don't I, – I feel like his numbers are, are going to be good but not great compared to other offensive linemen. He's a tape guy. Uh, he's, he's a football player first and foremost. Makai Becton from Louisville, uh, probably regarded as, as the number one tackle – uh, in the draft, and it's it's a, a reminds pretty, me of Andre Smith. Beckton does, yeah, you know? big big guy, yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. Um, hard to bull rush for sure. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, our draft analyst at, at NFL Network, uh, compares him to he he says he's like Bryant McKinney, but but thinks yeah. he, he thinks he'll be even better than that. So uh, wow. big upside there, but yeah, I, I think we're going to see Jedrick Wills go in that first round, uh, and and uh, he's. I've liked him. I've liked him from the day he got to Alabama. Not to, um, you know, there's going to be a lot more excitement about the workouts of other guys like Ruggs, like Judy, uh, and, and some of these others. But uh, Wills is Wills is going to be missed as as much as anybody on that offense. He is, other and that's why. Tua, other than and, Tua, no doubt. And in the spring, that's where it's going to get interesting. How Alabama addresses that you know does Evan Neal kick out the right tackle that seems to be the expectation of a lot of folks uh, and sort of the chain reaction that has if it plays out that way with uh, you know where you go on the interior although looking at the interior it seems like for about a decade now Alabama guards and centers in terms of quality options it's like they multiply and this is with some guys moving on to some other power five programs where they've become starters um, so there, there's, there's plenty of numbers on the inside, but yeah, um, how it goes about with the, the will succession plan is going to be a, 
a major storyline for spring ball, no doubt. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time here on Talking Tide. If we don't do a podcast uh, during the combine, we'll certainly do one on the back end of it, probably uh, next weekend or shortly after. So be watching for that. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.